Wake up in the morning after the weekend to get an update on the NRL. Me legal counsel. Wake up in the morning after the weekend to get an update on the NRL. My legal counsel. It's of the weekend scandals on Monday. A story from Jack about the urinal. My legal counsel. Welcome back to Legal Counsel, coming at you live on Sunday, 26th of May. Absolute picture in Sydney, Portier today. Probably around 22, 23 degrees, slight breeze um, for an autumn day of football. Double header this afternoon. Looking good for Sydney League fans, as always, coming at us from Victoria. Former Hong Kong Rugby League board member and player, one test uh, debutant Jack Muir, how you doing, mate? Yeah, not good, not uh, not bad, I guess. We're not good either. Um, yeah, those introductions. We need to really add to those introductions, don't they? People must get bored of them on their Monday morning commute. Hearing that crap, they already know all about it. Um, sounds like the weather's nice in Portier for uh, a couple of games in Portier this afternoon. Um, one at the spiritual home of the Doggies, Belmore, and the other down in the Gong. So, geez, I can't think of any better grounds around the world um, to have a nice day uh, before the game of football. Uh, it really sets the picture. Um, Victoria, Melbourne, uh, had a bit of rain last night and cold. I reckon, don't reckon it'll be over 14 degrees at the moment, although the sun's out, which helps. But, um, yeah, going to be a couple of... Well, to be honest, Storm should put plenty on the dogs. Um, but anyway... We could go to our tips later on. It's been a round of upsets, though, mate. And, you know, I think in terms of the favourites, have almost been overturned all bar um, the Rabbitohs last night. So you had Panthers over the Eels, Titans over Seagulls, Knights over Roosters, Cowboys over Raiders, Broncos over the Warriors, which you wouldn't really call that a big upset. And then the Rabbitohs are the only ones holding fort for the favourites. And then, would it surprise you if you saw the Sharks and Dogs both get up as outsiders this afternoon? We'll get, as we say, we'll get to the tips later, but um, it's been a round of upsets, mate. What stood out for you so far this, um, this round, apart from a couple of real bludging games? Anything um, really stood out at you? Uh, nothing in particular, other than, well, I guess the, the big story for me over the weekend is... Um, the Knights and their winner mm. at Marathon on Friday night against the premier, the reigning premiers. Mm. It doesn't get any better for our game um, when the Newcastle Knights, in a town that absolutely loves their rugby league, at a full house, are beating up on the reigning premiers. And look, we understand the reigning premiers had some um, unavailabilities, etc., um, from some of the key players, but. Still, there's nothing better than seeing a full marathon stadium and uh, a win like that. I think that you could almost say when Newcastle's going well, rugby league's going well. And um, I did want to ask you, uh, because we had a... Uh, he's not a law listener of the show. He's a... Uh, an, he's a he, Clint, who's a massive Knights man, I know, um, 
was wondering, does this mean the Knights come into that division, uh, the, the the B division teams, just under the the Storm, the Roosters, and the Rabbitohs? Um, I guess they they do. What are your thoughts on that? I think they do, mate. I think there's been a little bit of movement in the um, in the divisions in the comp. Um, no movement at the top with Rabbitohs, Storm, and Roosters. Although I would say that the Rabbitohs are starting to separate themselves from from both the Storm and the Roosters. You know, you can say that Cronk was out, but there's been the writing on the wall for the last three or four weeks that the Roosters are sort of slowing down a little bit. They don't look as dominant. South Sydney look dominant every time they take the field. The only loss that they've had this year, the only one that they've dropped, was a Golden Point um, relatively controversial loss at Lotto Land to to Manly and Cherry Evans' beautiful um, finish there. But they are rolling on. They're looking damn near unbeatable. Whereas the Roosters have won... Quite a few games, um, they've won eight and th- they're eight and three, but they've looked vulnerable at stages, whereas I don't think that the Bunnies have. And the Storm went through a pretty low patch. So you would say by the law of averages, over the origin period, it's probably going to test the Bunnies. And dare I say that they may drop two or three over that period just because of the sheer amount of players that they're going to have in origin. But that's the top three, and I can't see that really changing or even extending to a four. But we had the B-level teams. We had the Raiders, Sea Eagles, and Sharks, didn't we? And yep. after we said that, the Sharks went down to the Sea Eagles and looked really bad. Um, and then the Raiders. I still, and I still think they're B grade. I still think they're so B grade because they've got a lot of players to come back. I think the Sharks are going to come home with a wet sail. Um, you would have to say that they're going to have to win this afternoon um, to get going. Otherwise, they're in danger of being five and six. The Sea Eagles got humbled at home, and I just don't think they could have kept up that um, those winnings without Cherry and Turbo any longer. So they were probably due to drop um, one after just some phenomenal efforts. But the, probably the Raiders is the biggest concern um, from the B-level teams. So I'm going to answer your question. I think the Knights, I'm, I'm prepared to put them in the B-level, increase that to a group of four. But in terms of form, you're looking at the Knights almost peaking there, so... Yes, our answer is the Knights are in B grade. To Clint, welcome to the show. I understand it was his first uh, first listen last week. Is that right? Correct. Um, and what and the thing with the Knights is they've obviously got the well, not obviously, but you probably don't know. But they got the bye next week, and then do you know who they've got after the bye? I don't, mate. The Rabbitohs. Ooh, so no Origin players. You, I mean, if they bit the Rabbitohs. They'd be knocking down the door on. They would. I would. If they beat the Rebels, they would be firmly, firmly entrenched in the B grade and to, uh, knocking on the door of the A grade. So, you know, the the, the state football period is is coming up now. There's going to be some interesting um, chain permutations on the ladder. Mm. Um, look, it's still a, a, a very exciting comp. It, uh, it's interesting though, isn't it? That I, I, you just touched on it. The Seagulls, who are a B grade side, and they—I don't think they drop out of the B grade no. or the B division with that loss against the Titans. Is that you just there is you're going to lose some? You're going to lose some games um, in this comp. Uh, the thing, and and the, and the Eagles. And even if you're a Seagulls fan, you're just like, yeah, you're going to lose a couple, um, especially with the injuries they've had. Brad Parker now has got a broken jaw, is out for four to six weeks. So their backline stocks are looking <laughs> really poor. I mean, if, um, you're, if you're a club that's talking about losing Brad Parker, um, there are, you have real deficiencies in, in a position, don't you? Um, no, the uh, fact that I he is still playing 
NRL football. I guess it's just I on attitude, isn't it? I disagree with that. Come on, mate. He's played... Re- he's played... He's he's an average NRL player this year. And look, he was poor, but maybe moving from wing to centre is what's made him into an average NRL player. And, 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 and he's a loss for Manly just because they've got a hell of a lot of injuries there. Suli's still two or three weeks away. Um, and yeah, so... The other one I just wanted to touch on was, as a Souths fan, um, I think you would be getting quite, and they are, they're quietly confident, the Rabbitohs fans. They're not singing from the rafters. They're they not are, quietly confident. This could be Ra- the Ra- Rabbitohs fans aren't quietly confident. They are bullish, brash. Um, they've got a lot to say, and they genuinely know that they are the team to beat in the comp. I think if you ask, the, all Rabbitohs fans will be coming out and saying, we're the team to beat. They're not humble yeah, fans like your Knights fans or your Raiders fans um, or your Sharkies fans. They're not that kind of fan. They are, the Raptors are winning games like almost with their... And that's the sign yeah, of very good teams. Team. They basically you know, make winning a habit and they end up winning games that they shouldn't have. I'm thinking, when I say shouldn't have, where they sort of... They look like have losing. Been, have, been, ...have been outplayed by better team they still seem to get two points mm. they i mean looking looking at this now objectively and saying let's just rewind 12 weeks ago we were probably looking pre-season wayne bennett when he comes to a club for the first year things tend to go very well for them so his first year at the dragons i think they unfortunately lost in a semi-final to darren lockyer's broncos then i think his first year at the knights he took him to the finals after a terrible sort of period and then his first year back at the Broncos, don't think it was a grand final year, but it might have been the year before the grand final. I'd have to double check that. But he obviously had them, you know, humming after a poor period after the Ivan Henjak, um, Hook Griffin era. And now he's the first year at the Rabbitohs. So Wayne, if Wayne can win a comp this season, what does it say about him in terms of the all-timers? Yeah. Oh, I think he's already up there with the all-timers, isn't he? Um, so he came back to Broncos 2015. So, no, he didn't make the... Hang on. Grand final. Yeah, he did. That was his first year they made the grand final, wasn't it, against um, the Cowboys. Cowboys. So, yeah, they, he got the, got Broncos straight into the grand final. What does that say? And then against St. George, he started 2009. Hmm. And 2009, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I know they won this, the I told you, they lost in the semis to the Broncos and Lockyer field goal at um, maybe even extra time. Um, he had uh, the Jamie Soward, Ben Hornby half pairing, and he had that team absolutely um, humming. And then they won in 2010, as you know. Um, and then the, uh, the but Knights, yeah, I mean, was that 2012 was his first year? With who? The Knights. Knights, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what year did he get them to the one game away from the GF? Uh, I'd say that's 2013. That was 2013. And then 2014, it started falling apart, did mm. it? Yep. So, yeah, Wayne. Interesting. I mean, so, yeah, 2013, he got them to September 28th. They lost uh, the Roosters. Roosters. The team that At went on yeah, and then the Roosters went on to beat Manly, obviously. So yeah, I mean he's he is a he's, he's a an old school coach that the players respect and play for him, you know. So you've got Bellamy and Wayne in whatever order. 
then, you know, Madge, who's won a comp, does, demands respect. Um, and I think he's doing really good things with the Tigers side, even though they're kind of sort of still going to be halfway outside the eight. But he's won a comp. Des Hasler, who, after a pretty average couple of years to finish, is showing his class with what he's doing with this Manly side. And he's, he's a dollar one to be coach of the year this year. And then there's sort of a bit of a golf. I mean, do people respect Paul Green? He's won a premiership. But does he think he has the, the, the respect of a premiership winning coach? Yeah, I, I guess so. He's, um, he, he's, a, he's a pick and sticker. Gee, yeah. he's, he's one of the great pick and stickers of, the, of our generation. Um, so I think Paul does. I mean, he's, there has been some questions asked about him, but I think you look at his roster... Um, he's got now with the Cowboys. He's very reliant on Brown Jesus, um, and then other than that, he doesn't really have much. So oh, I think I Paul Green's there. The other one that's probably well respected. Trent well, You think's under the radar? Yeah, Travis Robinson, obviously. Trent. Two you, cops. Trent Robinson. He's sorry, won two cops. Travis Robinson's the Lebanese uh, winger. But you think under the radar respect is given to Mooks Kearney, Stephen Kearney? I know. Well, he and. I get a cop a lot of shit for this, thinking he's a good coach. But I just go off, I continually say the same thing, so I apologise for repeating myself. But I've heard Meninga, Bennett and Bellamy all rate and rave about Stephen Kearney. And they did the players poll this week, and he came out third or fourth? I think he might come out fourth in terms of the players um, who they rated their best coaches. So that was, you know, um, relatively surprising. But Brad Arthur was following him, so... I think maybe Brad Arthur seems to be one of those players, players coach, players coach. Yeah. Um, but there's some ones that are under enormous pressure. Obviously, Ivan Cleary. Um, but what about the guys that are getting re-extensions mid-season? You know, Dean Pay, Mary McGregor, and Brad Arthur all Brad getting Arthur. extensions mid-season. Who the fuck is competing with them for the signatures? Why not just write it out to the end of the year? They're a coach. McGregor's done nothing with the Dragon side, really. Like, he... he you may as well look outside the box. And Brad Arthur, sure, I think players like him. Dean Pay, those football clubs that are re-signing those coaches, it's just, it's absurd, isn't it? It's absurd, I totally agree. Um, and since Brad Arthur has re-signed, they have just gone backwards as a football club, back into their old habits. Um, you know, they could, it was a, a bludger of a game as well, but they should have beaten Penrith. Oh. They I sort walk, of scored first I through Mike Sivo and then just sort of put, took the um, the foot off the throat. So there, there's real alarm bells, um, again, singing if you're a Parramatta fan, but that's just business as usual. Um, so I guess there is an out. We haven't discussed it yet. And apparently, uh, James Watson, who's a great listener, has given us a warning. He said, you can't, if, if, you, don't, if you guys talk more than 90 seconds about the. Warriors Broncos game. I'm never going to listen again, which I thought was a bit harsh because it was a purist game. And just so, so what went wrong for the Warriors, really, Harry? I just want your take on it because right, I really struggled with it because you're always fuck off, always getting me along with your ride, believing we've turned the corner as a franchise. Look, at the end of the day, it was just execution, and I just think that we're missing a little bit um, in terms of polish on our attack. Um, there was some pretty promising signs. I mean, defensively, the last three weeks have been excellent. Last night, it was an arm wrestle. 
the Broncos had a strategy of rushing up on Blake Green, which he was then skipping across field. And I just feel like we're a bit of under eights attack, you know, side to side to side. Oh, Roger, try and do something. So I think we're a few weeks away from hopefully, you know, polishing up our attack. We should have won that game in terms of the chances that we had, but we weren't quite good enough. Um, so that's all I want to say about the game. Okay, no, I want to say one, another couple of things. One is I knew we were going to lose that game because it's a game we lose, but I'd used my reverse psych the week before against Penrith. Fuck it. And then the next one is 15 minutes in, I knew we weren't going to score a try. You know those days where you just literally, it's dewy, you can sort of see that no, like, there's no way we're going to cross the, the try line. And it, mm. it was just, it's one of those things, no matter what you do, it just doesn't seem like we're going to score the, cross the try line. And that's why I said to you, po- tries or points in that environment are worth almost three times what they are on a dry track. Credit, and credit to the do the Warriors, because I think Mount Smart would probably get one of the dewiest grounds in yep. the comp. Yep. Do the Warriors actually get a home ground advantage via the dew due to, with our, our, our team and our style of play? No. I think it's actually a leveller. It's a leveller, so that's a bit annoying. And then I sort of made the point, well, do we need a roof on Mount Smart Stadium? Oh, that'd be great if we could get a roof on Mount Smart Stadium. Yeah, I mean, a downtown stadium in Auckland um, with public transport access has always been a bit of a dream, um, much like Wellington. Well, but... Park was there and ready for it, but no one actually, you know, no one actually forward, had any forward thinking. Well, back in when the Warriors were created back in '95, it was '93. They actually, they basically had a massive vote whether it was going to be Mount Smart or Carlow Park, and for some reason, which I'd have to, um, I'd have to do some source checking. They ended up. I don't know if it was a vote by the council or what they were politicking behind the scenes, but they actually ended up going to Mount Smart. Whereas anyone that knows Auckland, Carlow Park would have been absolutely sensational. Carlow Park in the end just got um, sold by the trust and car park, basically, and apartments. So, a um, bit of a waste of space. Yeah, well, Carlow Park I'll, was owned by Auckland Rugby, Rugby League, League, you see. Yep. And you've got to remember that Auckland Rugby League and the Warriors franchise are separate organisations. Well, they aren't now because I think Auckland Rugby League's actually bought them. So, they have a share in the um, It was the argument back in the day. They're like, oh, no, Mount Smart's closer to um, the league heartland and mm. stuff. But I think the Warriors itself actually um, embrace quite a big part of the Auckland um, socio-economic community. So having a central... I mean, it would have been better for tourists. Oh, for God, sorry, my... You still there? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, my boy's just climbing all over me. Um, it would have been better for tourists and everything, you know, so... Um, but anyway, it, oh, it I, is I, what it off, is. I just thought maybe if you're a if you're a club executive, you sort of look at... I don't know, maybe we only have four or five, maybe max four games like that a year, I guess. But do you then change your style of play or your recruitment decisions on, No, you know... Um, we're talking, we're your, talking your, point zero one percent you know, do, you, do you just get a really uh, big forward pack and just grow the grass really long or something? Because mm. that's a good point. Like, is there specifications that the NRL puts out for... There obviously is for grounds, right? They obviously have to have a capacity. They have to have minimum um you know lengths and widths and it probably also has to be grass but do they specify the max length of the grass well clearly not have you been to lotto land it's like a fucking swamp like it's, <laughs> it's just coarse grass and it's always like it's someone said a good point the other day it's like don't you miss the days when you used to play or watch a game of the league um and there was mud on the jerseys like 
They're fields that used to have, you know, obviously you can take the good with the bag. It, it, it's much better for running footy at the moment, but you, there's not often that you see someone with mud on them, is it, these days? I guess they're all sand-based yeah. grounds. Um, no, better for drainage. but at least tell the difference between the two. I mean, those dad, uh, those chocolate soldiers uniform, but we're just, uh, the poor person had to wash them. <laughs> all right. So we didn't talk about the game for any more than 90 seconds, so hopefully we've retained what I was as a listener. Um, I do want to talk about specific player who played in that game. Payne Haas, I, I haven't seen enough of him before that game. This is the most exciting rugby league prospect I've seen since Brown Jesus, and maybe you know this, this guy is, could even surpass Brown Jesus. I have never seen Come anyone. On, mate, that's huge. I have, well, maybe he might not, but he's got the potential. Uh, I have never, ever seen anyone like this. The way he runs, his motor, I think he played the first sort of 30, 35 minutes or something before he got a rest. His carries, he's doing 200 metres. He's pissing 200 metres every game. The way he moves and runs, um, he's just an enormous body. He's from Swiss, Filipino and Samoan descent. Only 19 years old, turns 20 in December. Um, Is he actually only 19? From the Newcastle area, yeah. I believe. Wow. Absolutely dynamite. Um, and I think he's going to get picked on the bench for New South Wales only after nine first grade games. I could not have been more impressed with. And in fact, I'm going to say he's probably the best prop in the competition already. There's, there's no one I'd rather have than him. And this is well, nine games. I'd look, the, the look, I think Clemmer is playing fantastic football. And I agree. Um, he's not paying house. Yeah, look, paying house. Look, mate, you can't. I, I was blown away. Oh, look, I agree. He's a. Fantastic prospect, but you watched one game of him in a I've seen, sort of origin I've seen a bit of him. state football trial. I mean, you, uh, yeah, look, when you uh, know, to you say know, brother. Be the Brad is a big caller, I, I think he's a good footballer. Um, and he was very good last night in those conditions. What about Matt Lodge? The key is consistency, right? I mean, is Matt Lodge, because he's a, he's a horrible human being, I don't think he gets the reps he deserves. He's enormous. He's got footwork and he's got an offload. You know, he was as dangerous almost at times as Payne Haas. Now, the Broncos, geez, we've copped some shit. And in, and in particular, I've copped a lot of shit from listeners over the last couple of weeks. There was obviously Hoodie Gate. Um, there's Muslim Poor Tipping. Um, we picked the Broncos to win at the start of the season. We picked Milford as our daily M. The Broncos are 4 and 1 with a bye coming up. Um, Sitting in ninth spot, but only by points differential over that, by one point differential over the Parramatta Eels. And if the Sharks get flogged or get beaten by more than six points, the Broncos are going to go into the eight. They've won four of the last five. Is this Broncos team starting to surge? What do you think of Tommy Durden? The 18-year-old yeah, halfback. Yeah, look, Tommy Dearden's going to give you what you expect out of him. He's, he's going getting through a lot of defensive it's work, right so up. he's a courageous little kid. Um, I mean, did you see Darius Boyd last night? Played all right. God, though, but... Are we, hang on, we're in danger, we're in danger of going I back I still in. don't put them in the Division B yet, but are you saying they could be? They are knocking on the door of Division B. In fact... I think we have to anoint them into Division B right now. No, nah, nah, shit, no. Can you just check who they got? They might play next week, actually. They got the bye next week, brother. Okay, and then the week after? Oh, I can't go that far ahead. 
well, oh, I, I can, can and I can. I'll tell you who, what, it, where it'll be. But yeah, I mean, are they? Uh, are they? They are a glamour club, right? So they've got the Titans at Suncorp. Oh, so they get two points there. Jeez. Followed by Parramatta at Bank West. Okay, so all of a sudden they're going to be in Division B in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so let's let's hold our powder dry, but they're knocking on the door. Okay, um, there's been a few things that happened in the last week or so, slightly just past the show. One thing from last Sunday, who I was in a debate with a number of people about. Did you see Tarek Sims after after a Newcastle try? And this team were getting flogged by 30 points in a game that everyone thought that they should win. Tarek Sims was running back after the goal kick by Ponga and he reached out his hand and went for a high five of Ponga. Now, I think probably you can tell from the tone of my voice how what I think of this. What's your take on it? So I actually didn't... Um, I, I knew you sent the link up, but I didn't click on it because I just thought he went and sort of like just patted on the bum. But he actually gave him a high five. That is actually taking it to the next level of he ridiculous. Stuck his hand out. The forum that you posted on actually was sort of like, oh, no, good on him. Good sportsmanship. <laughs> no way. Fucking These guys atrocious. are professional yeah. footballers. And they've got to, even if even if they are great mates, your fans are investing so much, um, I guess, emotional uh, baggage into you that you, even, you just have to, you know, Put that. You should put that. Even if you're great mates, you don't do that's, that. That's not even sportsmanship. Sportsmanship is before and after the game, right? And maybe you know you might pick a guy up off the ground or something like that. You don't fucking high five a guy after they are wiping the floor with you. And someone was like, "Oh, they used to be ex teammates in Newcastle." No, they did not. They did not cross over one bit at Newcastle. Um, they probably know each other through mutual friends like most leagues do. It's an atrocious move. You, you nailed it. The fans, like if I saw one of my players doing that, it's bad enough when you see your players after the game laughing and you know, fraternising with the opposition. You know, sure, you know, give them a smoothie and a hug and whatever and say I'll meet you after the game for a, um, for a spliff. But don't you fucking high-five and laugh at people in the middle of the game when they are pulling your pants down. Tarek Sims, if he was in my team, I would say, you're gone. You've got a couple of weeks in reserve grade to find yourself. Um, imagine doing that for Ballyake. Imagine if, if Ballyake saw you do that. The game situation has to come into as has well, to. though, right? Because they were getting flogged. So even if St. George were winning by 60 and maybe got like a conversion at the yeah. 78th minute or something, like to take the piss and, and play mind games. But mm. yeah, just dumb in terms of the game uh, situation, right? Yeah, it just, it just has to, you know, he has to be accountable for that. Um, Disappointing the it's Dragons. <laughs> Someone's going to be accountable. I tell you what someone does have to be accountable for, though, is the scrum clock. The scrum clock was brought in maybe the year before last or last year. I can't quite last recall. Last night, the scrum clock went off three times in one game. I, can't, I won't mention the game because I and may lose And the noise it makes is horrendous. And the referee just lets it go, like... Fuck, I mean, I know we bag the referees, but if you've got a rule, enforce it. Otherwise, you're at risk of just having another mock rule in the game, like the voluntary tackle, which is just something that is just embarrassingly in our game that isn't policed. You've got to police a rule. Yeah, so I don't know. So I don't, I think I've seen one penalty for it on a field goal, but generally, um, yeah, I think you're right. You hear it go off. This is absolutely 
uh, ignorant, like just uh, annoying beep. I think maybe the Mount Smart's worse because you talk about Mount Smart because we can't talk even more than ninety seconds. But and then the ref just goes, "Oh no, it's it, it, they were set, they were going." He sort of makes an excuse, which I sort of because imagine if you're getting penalised, but. Oh, I don't know. They just, yeah, I agree. They need to sort of get Bill Harrigan into um, maybe be an advisor to sort of see how they can sort that out. Embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. Um, we had, we had Magic Round a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I sort of in the moment, you know, we we sort of had our say and, and came up with ways of improving it, and there's sort of a lot of feedback from listeners coming back on on things and. We actually had a conversation last week during the week, but we forgot to relay it on air. And it was all around trying to expand the experience and trying to constantine it into a couple of days. It was the main sort of points that we were making. Yeah, we talked about this on last week's show. Yeah, I know, but then that was the main points. But then we started to discuss off-air or during the week around a way of maximising, getting more people in the one stadium. Because um, I think, you know, it's a carnival atmosphere, but it probably doesn't have quite, you know, that sevens or nines atmosphere that, that you're going for. And we started chatting about... I had a theory called the magic tent that, you know, on the Brisbane number two, there's probably a ground behind Suncorp or a big area where they set up a huge marquee, which is basically, it's basically like Oktoberfest, but maybe because it's rugby league, you're going to have to rein it in a little bit. You know, you'd have security up the wazoo. Quote. Um, maybe pages. it's a chance to give back to, um, you know, ex-leagueies by giving them gigs as security guards, which I'm sure there's a shitload of them out there. Um, you know, bringing them back, and they can wear their home colours. Um, and you know, you can say, "Come and talk to me about the Raiders in 1987." Hi, I'm Dean Lance. Come talk to me about the Raiders 80, 82 to 87. It's a great uh, anyway, idea, actually. So they're the security guards. It's basically Oktoberfest, and then I would over probably ten thousand. Yep. And then basically, you've got this big screen that you're walking in and out of the magic tent. It's like when you go for a park in a parking building and you know how many parks are left and slowly they're counting down. So you've just got a ticket and it's just an all-access ticket and then you can go in and out of the magic tent into the ground. Obviously, you know, there's going to have to be um, very strict uh, checks on intoxication, but um, it's a way of extending the experience and um, potentially overselling the ground so you can get a little bit more atmosphere. What's your thoughts? Um, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think the people who are uh, in NRL have to look into it a bit more depth, but I think that's just great innovation that secure, like men of league would jump on board in terms of getting the old old players as security. I mean, they'd obviously have to do fitness tests so that they could throw people out and stuff. And then, um, imagine if they had zones. And in the, in the, in the, you had zones in the crowd, right, a Raiders zone. And so you were getting ushered up to the, um, the Raiders zone by, you know, Raiders great uh, Simon Wolford. Um, who's right. ushered... And you'd have, to keep, you'd have to keep the Sea Eagles and Storm um, yeah. uh, zones at opposite ends of the, um, the tent. Just we don't want another Battle of Brookvale. But no. in fact, that, oh, you quite imagine that in a big Oktoberfest tent. That'd be madness. Oh, there'd be... Look, I think it's a great idea. Probably some people would ruin it for others, um, knowing like the state of Australian society. But I think that's actually um, that'd be oh, that it would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Um, Innovation. What else I was going to say was, oh look, that would be. Would you? You'd have dancing. You'd have music. It would be. It really would be something else. Um, yeah. So maybe we can we can put that one forward to Greenberg. Um, you, you you might be able to reach out to him. You're a big fan. Um, 
But did you see on Foxy that that bloody bubble? What was the bubble? They had a I, bubble where Fletch and Hindy lived in uh, for four mate, days. I was just like, I, I don't watch Fox NRL variety shows. Full stop. I, I do not watch. You're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah, I don't watch much of it either. Um, but this one just came on. I'm just like, look, what is this trying to achieve? Um, anyway, so the other one is, although, did you listen to the Matty Johns podcast the other day or watch it? No, I've heard real good things though. But I mean, I'll tell, I'll tell you one thing. Like Maddie John's podcast, they had just fucking had Paul Kent and um, someone else on. Like, we get to hear those guys all fucking week on Fox. I don't want to hear Paul Kent on a podcast. If I want a Maddie John's podcast, I want him to get Matt Hilder and Kurt Gidley on. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. What about, who's KOC in terms of um, Simmons's podcast? Kevin O'Connor, basketball guy. Is he good? Yeah, he's just one of those, like, stats nerd geniuses that, like, Probably never played the game, but knows it as good as anyone. He'll probably end up getting hired by a team like um, your man, Kurt Goldsbury, who play, uh, who's hired has by he the been Spurs. Hired, has, he by, has he been hired by someone? Yeah, he works for the Spurs. And the, the, the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks, now hired Harabob Volgaris, who is a professional gambler, as a member of their staff. So that's like the nerd revolution in American sports, like your money balls. It's like, it's a real thing, man. Like guys that are just literally geniuses or out of Harvard or, you know, just guys that have started their own blogs, get big, have great opinions, and end up getting hired by the teams. So we've got a chance of being hired by a team from our, just our insights into getting one above the opposition by growing the grass really long or devising a belt to put the ball in when you're running down the field. Look, I think it'd have to be a last throw of the dice, maybe when the Titans are just about to get sold and they're looking for, like, out-of-the-box ideas, maybe we might get a look into the Titans, but any other football club, probably doesn't want the controversy. I mean, we're dropping a lot of C-bombs on the show. Well, I certainly am. That's not going to cut it in in rugby league, is it? Well, in corporate league. I know, but, you know, there'll be, we'll be uh, hired by the Times or whatever, and there'll be a back catalogue of, like, all the purists will say, oh, they've sold out. You're going to go back to the early stuff where there was C-bombs and outrageousness and... uh, Jack was recording from an Indonesian petrol station and stuff like that. That'll be what the fans would say. I used to record in the dark. Like, I think it may be when I had a new... What were you wearing? I don't know, but I was in the dark drinking, um, lights lights off in the spare room, fucking freezing in there too, doing a podcast while you're in a Malaysian toilet. Like, that. that's grassroots league. That's how you... <laughs> you guys, you young guys out there want to know how to build a podcast. Well, that's where you got to start, all right? And now you're in. Now I'm in the sunny, beautiful lounge with the sun beating in, and Mumsy's out for a walk. I've got the house to myself. That, but it takes four years to get there. It does, and I mean, gee, we were. Although I did have, some, then people would go right back into my back catalogue, and there'll be stuff. There'll be in digital files somewhere for uh, my original podcast that was Jack Owen Size Rugby <laughs> League. Now that is B sides of like of a big band you'd never get hold of, right? Yeah, that that they were rarities, weren't they? Like maybe like the Jacko and Cy uh, uh, rugby league rarities and B sides. That you know, there'll be some pretty nice uh, stuff in there. Probably quite dangerous we, to your public profile too, right now. I'd say. We've oh, we've always talked about um, getting like a guest on the show and that. Oh, oh, we should do it actually. I've got the that Ben Hados and uh, Abu Dhabi wants to get involved, and he would be quite good. I mean, you just ring them on Skype and say. Get him out here going, just talk, just talk, I yeah, guess. Look, it's, it's, it's enough. We did say at the start of the season we're going to have regular correspondence, so 
there's enough of them around. Um, let's start building it into the show, maybe um, a little at the end of the sh- last 10 minutes of each show. But we've got to do it. Because there was just- a famous show where I used Skype to call in uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours who hates rugby. Well, I don't know he had a rugby league time, but he got a bit of a go on the show. And I'm sure... Well, we lost you this year. Yeah, because my fucking wife's calling me. You've got to anyway. stop that. Well, fuck. Oh, you have to again. stop that. It, it, everyone knows between one and two on a Sunday, it's a no-go zone. It's like when you just started rooting back in the old days, you know, there was a zone around um, the back that you just did not touch. And then as you got older, it slowly sort of um, slowly came into play. And that is just what, exactly what yeah, happened. And what? Sorry, mate. What came into play? <laughs> You know, as you go older, as you get older, you become a little bit more pushing the boundaries. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm pushing the boundaries with this kid moaning out the door. Um, yeah, okay. Sorry about that. All right. So, so are we onto the tip sheet? No, we're not, mate. We've got eight minutes to go, and there's something. I've got another. I have to cover a topic. We have to cover a topic because we got cruci- a lot of feedback during the week. I, I had to hire a PR consultant, Roxy Jacinko, to deal with it because I was, I was copying it from all angles. Um, but we need to talk about, um, after the, the sad passing of Quinton Pongia, yeah, there was a lot of talk about how much of a hard player he was. And then, you know, there's talk about who was the hardest players. But we got asked to discuss scariest players. And I don't think Pongia was scary. Um, you probably wouldn't fuck with him. But the scariest players got mooted um, to us on a forum. And, you know, there's a lot of names to, that sort of went through in the last 25 years. Now, I recorded some of them. I just want to get a feel for it from you who you found were the scariest players. So here goes my list. And this is probably dating back to the late 80s. You've got Mark Geyer, Adrian Morley, Gordon Tallis, which for me, I think that Tallis, when he went on that rampage and against Ben Ross and just, because Ben Ross moved to the Panthers, he used to be the Broncos, and just destroyed him. He actually really yep. was a fearsome player, a young mid, middle-aged Gordon Tallis. Young Sonny Bill Williams, Monty Beetham, um, especially his post-rugby league boxing career. like I think they used to have the old players poll back then and there used to be way more raw when it was who's the guy you most didn't want to get in a fight with. And it was always Beetham and Tallis and Carl Webb's another one who, um, just a scary cunt. David Farlongo, um, probably don't want to get on the um, end of one of his punches. Shit, Mel Meninga. Well, his, I've, told, I've said this before, but David Fa'alongo's brother, Saleh Fa'alongo, who was a Mount Albert, played for Mount Albert Lions for years, was actually a better player than David. Really? But he couldn't make it over to Australia just because he was mad criminal convictions, like real violence. Jeez. Well, one of my claims to fame is to actually witness the night where he dicked Jason Taylor. I was actually walking down to the shop um, that night and I saw every all the um, Rabbitohs team outside the Foresters and probably about 45 minutes later... Um, Jason Taylor clocked by far longer. Um, Ian Roberts. Who? Ian Roberts. Oh, I thought you said Ben Roberts. <laughs> ben Rogers. He could throw them. He had a he had Who? a Travis Ben Rogers. Remember ben Rogers, the five eight the South and Newcastle. He used to throw what? them a lot. I remember he got into a fight with Daniel Vito for some reason. That it was a nice fight in a Monday night game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Travis Burns and I would like to see Travis Burns and Ben Rogers in the ring, like shortest fuse for like short man syndrome based. Yeah. Um, what about 
Anthony Watts scary oh. now, but it's just a Dero. What about the Anthony Watts Robbie Farrah fight? Robbie Farrah came out with his as a bit of a hero out of that. Well, he got he got towed up by Watts, and he was he was just like fuck, you're going to get it. And then they had a scrum, and Farrah just old school uppercut under under the radar, good fucking scrap. And then the rest just sort of got gave it uh, probably sent them both off a ten, but Farrah got his own back on him. Um, all right, finishing out this list, list Les Davidson, who he's, yes, in the, he's, he's in the Pantheon, isn't he? Kevin Tumerty, probably famous for that Greg Dowling fight, and Peter Kelly, not- notable scrapper in the Origin Arena. Um, for me, out of that list, as I sort of said, I'm looking around Talis, Carl Webb, and Les Davidson, and maybe throwing a Monty Beatham in there, just, just for scariness. Yeah, Danny Williams doesn't feature that because of the coward punch. Yeah, you can't feature. You can't I mean, celebrate you'd be pretty guy. scared of being tackled by Hopperwadi too. Fuck, Hopper. Hopper's up there. No one's fucking with Hopper. Is he just crazy? I mean, the tackle... Who do we know that was at the game that witnessed um, the Hopper tackle on Keith Galloway? I think it was Marty Gisterkamp. Yeah. We need... Oh, anyone, can they please um, tweet into the show or text us? If they were at that game, I know there's someone out there that I've talked to and they have a real good perspective on it. Um, was, it, on the, it was, on, was it Shark Park or was it on the hill of Brookie? No, nah, it was at Brookie uh, on um, Big Keith Galloway. Yeah, Big Keithy in his Sharks days. Um, so, yeah, that's sorry. So, we were supposed to cover the hardest so players. So, modern day, yep. uh, everyone talks about Manu Mau. Yeah, he does. It's those eyes. You but just, he's on the field. He's actually a bit of an angel. He is actually. He's turned. His, he's definitely sort of turned his perception around. Um, I just think the modern game, mate. The modern game is not fisticuffs. It's not you know punches. Um, there's a couple of guys that scare me, but I don't think it. You know, you don't have the all round guys because they're not conditioned to fight anymore. Um, what did you think about JWH's late shot on Ponga? And his uh, choke of Ponga. I mean... I didn't see the choke. To be honest, again, I've said this before, that's just a part of the game that's happened because you've got rid of fisty cuffs. Yep. The actual Newcastle forward part, Pat, can't take matters into their own hands to pr- pr- protect their halfback. I didn't think the actual late hit was bad. Nah, me neither. And to be honest, it's not, no, it's not, it wasn't violence. It's a bit like, oh, you chose uh, Ponga. Queensland over New Zealand. There you go. To, to, to be honest, mate... It was the outcry that shocked me the most. It's like, you can't touch our Ponga. Like, a nation, like, standing up and saying how much of a grubby act is. And, and JWH isn't a liked guy by, um, by people this side of the Tasman. And he you know, doesn't care, though, does he? Nah, doesn't give a fuck. Um, it's fucking regular league, it, it, it was a shit. It was a shit hit, but there was not the uproar that it deserved. <laughs> so I was, um, was a bit surprised. Um, I know that you were just watching the basketball before you saw Toronto close out the Bucks game six, coming, coming back from 2-0 down. And i tell you what made me think that... So you've got Drake, right, courtside, just a super fan of the, of the Raptors, famous hip-hop mogul, you know, one of the biggest names in the music industry. He's, he's at almost every home game. The courtside at NBA is something special. You know, it goes back to your old Lakers days where you had, you know, your Billy Crystal, your Jack Nicholson. You know, that was like absolutely... Spike Lee for the Knicks. Yeah, Spike Lee for the Knicks, obviously. Um, There's, you know, there's probably a a raft of different teams who have their real celebrities. Do we need to bring some courtside into the NRL where you got, you know, local superstars like 
Um, Hugh Jackman's down in Brookvale. You've got ScoMo down on the sidelines in the Shire. Um, you've got any number of hip-hop artists in New Zealand. Maybe you've got P-Money um, and Savage um, on, the, uh, on the sidelines of Mount Smart. Canberra have got Mark Webber. You know, how good would it be if you got a real sort of personality into it um, and, you know, started sort of selling these off to the highest bidder? And as teams progress throughout the season, the super fans come out and it just really sort of adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, I don't mind it. We would just sit them just next to the bench, no, next to Ricky. That'd be good. <laughs> next to Ricky on those white plastic chairs. So if, <laughs> if, if you're in the if you're courtside at the Raiders and Ricky something doesn't go right for Ricky, you know how if you've got if you're sitting on those plastic chairs, which are the white plastic chairs that are in any contact sport locker room, if you kick them yep. hard, they snap. It was just a game that used to play a lot. Like well, it depends how much UV rays they've been uh, under. Yeah. <laughs> But if you kick them hard, they snap, and then it's just a great yarn, depending, hopefully you're on grass. But if you're on concrete, you're going to fuck the other guy up. Um, yeah. So, Ricky, if, if, if something doesn't go his way and they lose in the final minutes, if you're Mark Webber, you've got to watch your back, because Ricky it could easily kick the corner out of one of those white chairs. Quote. But then you've got, you know, like, food coming down to them, and, you know, beers. They're always going up on the screen. You know, when it's a close game, seeing um, ScoMo, is, you know, his head is in his hands. Like, it just adds to the game. Get them down from the stands. Get them on the sideline. Um, it's not a bad idea. Canberra, they'd have to rug up big time. But, no, I like that. Again, why are – it adds to the game. I mean, they'd be – uh, yeah, look, yeah, you're right close to the action – does anybody, did in the old days the bench sort of used to sit in the stands yes, of the SFS yeah, just with just, their jackets on? Just on the side of the tunnel and, and you had them. That's right. <laughs> um, you always had them sort of sitting in a row and then and the two rows behind them would have been the whole reserve grey team and the yep. whole um, President's Cup team, which I think they used to call that in the old days, didn't they? The under-23s, was it the President's yep. Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just a raft of, say, green for Canberra. Um, and then you had the four guys who often used to back up when they were playing reserves. So they would probably already played a game earlier in the day and they might have got called up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, mate, I just, I just think bring people close to the action. I love Ricky down on the sidelines. but he. Yeah, well, have you seen that um, new Parramatta Stadium, Ray Price Stadium, how they've, they've nearly, they're sort of getting there where they've sort of got that bar that's for the members that's on ground level Ooh. that the players have to walk through. Yeah, yeah, I have seen that. I've seen Gutho walk through and think he's a big hero. And then they've gone out. <laughs> Doesn't he? I do like Gutho. I, think he's I don't know. He's just... Hang on, you're the one... That, about people... That's... And I've said this about league. It's tough to trust a well-spoken leaguey. Mm, he's from Manly, though. Um, before, we, before we duck off... I've got to stop tipping on on a Sunday. Um, I'm just this week should be fairly easy for you. I'd admit, I'd say I just can't help myself with pick, trying to tip an upset. And there's a, there's a don't real pick one. To, I don't think there will be one today. I think the dogs win. What? I do, mate. Okay, well I've got the storm. I've got the dogs, um, and then the other game, sharks dragons. Oh, that's tough I've got to pick. Dragons. You got the dragons. Which got... Johnson bet? Mm, don't know. He did a hammy, so six weeks, I'd say. I've got the dragons will too. Back? Will he be back for the mid-year test? Ooh, if he's not, then the Kiwis 
could recall either Benji Marshall or Kieran Foran. How good would that be? Love that. They won't. They'd rather they'd go with um, Tohu Harris in the halves or something. Oh, I hate that. I hate putting forwards in the halves. I don't know why the Kiwis always do that. Okay, so anything else you want to cover off, mate, before State of Origin? We, we did cover it um, a lot. Is the first game is the week after, isn't not, it? Not this Wednesday, the Wednesday after, okay. but apparently the two teams get named tonight. Um, but the New South Wales team's mainly has basically been leaked. Yeah, and I think um, Nathan Cleary, the memes around Nathan Cleary, Stephen Bradbury, um, been very, very humorous. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed them a lot. So and um, Morris getting picked centre, which was your your call, Josh Morris. With and who's the who are they picking? I think they're picking Kotrick on the wing. No, I think they're picking Jack Whiten, um, and they're picking Daniel Tupo on the wing, which is fucking. Oh, atrocious. you're right. They're picking Tupo and Edo Carr. Shit, that Tupo. Call. I mean. If Payne Haas is good enough after nine games, Nick Kotrish after playing three seasons and fucking finals football in his rookie season, get him in on the wing. Jesus, New South Wales. Come on, Freddie. You're better than that. Um, we'll do a big origin show next week. In the meantime, I've got the dogs here running out of the tunnel at Belmore, and I've got to put a bet on because they're paying $3.60. You've got to love your league. got to love your league.